us today? I, I trust that you've enjoyed uh, this study on the gift and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's imperative for us that we know not only the distinction between the two, but how can we operate in something that we're not even sure of the definition of it and an explanation of it. And it's my desire that each of us will become very clear on what our gift is and gifts are, that we'll desire to receive more from the Holy Spirit himself, and that we would operate with a fluency and a naturalness. Um, you know, in baseball, if they see a, a fellow swing a certain way, uh, they'll say, well, he, he has a natural swing. He has a natural, they call him the natural, you know, there's a nickname. Um, and in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there should never be a, you often hear me use the word weird, but there's, there shouldn't be an unnaturalness about it. It should, be, it should operate through you as a person. And if you are authentic in yourself, then that gift should operate in that way. So uh, I've enjoyed thoroughly studying for you and with you and uh, asking the Lord to clarify for me what gifts that I have and that I might use them. That's why I, I, you might have noticed this morning, hesitantly, I used the word prophesy because for me that has a stigma in a lot of what I experienced in the early years of my Christianity of someone telling you, thus saith the Lord. But we'll learn tonight that prophesying in the church through the spiritual gift of prophecy is to build up and encourage other believers through the knowledge of the word, through the unction of the Holy Spirit and the inspiration blended together with your experience that you might be able to do and share that. So anyway, just a little pre-teaching. Um, I asked them to queue up something. Uh, I played a little bit of it this morning, but I just think it's a beautiful um, type of music and worship where we just sit and uh, it's not so much the posture of the body as it is the heart. And I, I love those types of things. Your pastor mixes in not just praise and worship like on Sunday, but I sit a lot. I sit and just let music play with no words, sometimes with words, and I just wait on the Lord to visit me. You know, those moments, like I talked about, the knocking of the flint or the drawing near. And so as, as this song echoes, maybe hit some strands in your heart, you know, with a genuineness, you say, yep, Lord, that me. that's me, that's me. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for myself. So... Guys, if you would cue the, that uh, medley, it's about eight or nine minutes uh, of just your time alone with the Lord. Where would I be? You only know. I'm glad you see. I'm glad you see through 
all of us that's our prayer that we would study to show ourselves approved as a workman worthy who need not to be ashamed that we might rightly divide the word of truth and that we would receive with meekness the engrafted word of God which is able to change us and deliver us and mature us I ask O oh Lord that you would anoint me tonight and our, our interaction that we would all grow up into him who is the fullness of all things even Christ Jesus the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. I wanted to take a quick second and see if there were any questions uh, of, of stuff we've covered so far. We'll take just a moment. I had one right in, and they said, so with the gift of tongues, I'm not sure if they were here the night we did the discourse, but they said, so if I don't speak in tongues, does that mean I'm not saved? Absolutely not. That's not... Uh, the, the capacity to speak in tongues comes with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The witness, the seal of the Holy Spirit is given when someone is saved. When they are saved, God seals them with the earnest of the Holy Spirit and they are born again. Tongues is not a validation or a vindication of salvation. Salvation is the operative work of God separate from let me give you an example. If tongues were the identifier, then a mute could not be born again. If he had no tongue, you see? So, uh, and I've got friends that believe that, and I'm, I'm not making light, but absolutely not. That's not a conditional thing. Every saved person has the capacity to bear fruit. Every spirit-filled person has the capacity to speak in tongues. And the ability to speak in tongues for personal edification is different than the opportunity to speak in tongues as a message in the church to be interpreted for other people. One is for personal edification and the other is for congregational. So the ability to speak in tongues, a personal ability, is different than the gift of tongues which is for the moment. The ability to speak in tongues is for the man. The gift of tongues is more about the moment than the man. Does that make sense? Any other questions about anything we've covered so far? I want, I don't, I want to give you opportunity. No? We're all good? All right. Let's get to our lesson. Everybody got an outline on the way in?
got your outline. We are finishing up. We kind of jumped in the middle of the verses because I wanted to, to deal with the vocal gifts. Uh, the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, your pastor's opinion. Now, don't build a doctrine out of this, but I don't believe they're the gifts of the Holy Spirit are limited to the nine. However, with confidence, I can say that there are nine distinct gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, three that deal with vocal gifts, uh, three that deal with power and such. So in your Bible, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12.10 as we look at the third of the vocal gifts. We've already call, uh, taught on tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Tongues, the gift of tongues, meaning the ability, the divine ability in a moment prompted by the Holy Spirit to give a message, a, a, a proclamation from a language that they do not know nor understand to be interpreted by someone that does not know or understand that language for the edification and the building up of the body. It's just a supernatural expression of the Holy Spirit. And let me just throw this out there. It's not in my notes. Do you find it odd that the signature mark of the Holy Spirit, the initial physical evidence, the speaking in tongues, is connected to the part of the body that the Bible said is an unruly member set on fire by the fire of hell. Of all the things he could use, he takes the untamable. He said untamable. Set on fire by the fire of hell. And that's the thing that the Holy Spirit arrests and exercises as a sign that I'm here now, not just as resident, but president. You follow me? Not just in the operation of sealing, but now being immersed in his presence. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, 2. Is it on the screen behind me as well? 12, 10. Is it there? Is it big enough? It's not there or it is there? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I know, but it's small and I'm... Guys, I just want to tell you, I, there's such a learning curve. I got this desk, I put it up here, and I can't use my notebook because it's in shadow. And your pastor, just pray for him. I'm, I'm trying my very best here. All right. And now I got the new Microsoft Word because my XP wouldn't talk to this one. And now my new one, I don't know how to make this larger for y'all. Is it bigger on the sides? Oh, okay. Well, I still want you to see my stuff too, though. I got, I got my outline. All right. You'll find the gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12.10. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discerning of spirits. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh the one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. As I teach on these gifts, I want to be reiterating certain themes that will continue to allow it to blend together uh, for you. To where it becomes like a braided rope of understanding, okay? The gift of the Holy Spirit is given by God. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given by the Holy Spirit himself. And they all these worketh are active, interconnected, talking to one another, working cohesively by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they are divided to every man severally as he wills. They're not divided based on character. 
They're not divided based on natural gifting. Natural gifting has nothing to do with it. See, carnal reasoning would say you add a spiritual gift to an already natural gift. You'd say, oh, he's a communicator. You're going to be a preacher. You see, we, we tend to view things from the natural realm, but the Holy Spirit, he can add them together, but he, he divides it as he wills, and he doesn't give explanation for the gifts that he gives. He does teach us that we don't have the right to uh, say to one body part, the eye can't say to the hand, what need have we with you? Or the eye to the ear, that all of it's important. He said, and the hidden parts, the vital organs, are more important than all. So, you know, in the West, the pastor, he's up there, he teaches, preaches. Well, he's visible, but what about the heart and the lungs of that local body? Those that make up the character of the church and the prayer of the church and the giving and the serving of the church. All the gifts are different in operations, but administrative gifts, gifts of helps, gifts of works, supernatural gifts, natural gifts, they all blend together under the orchestration of the Holy Spirit to bring glory to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of the enablements, okay? So the scripture tells us to earnestly desire the gifts, and one of those gifts is to another the gift of prophecy. All right, Romans 12, verse 7. Let's go there before we get to our outline. Romans 12, 1 through 7. Somebody that's good and loud and can read real good, stand up and read this for us, please. Romans 12, 1 through 7. And it mentions there, and the Holy Spirit dividing to us, and we should operate in a gift of humility. And it said, and to those who prophesy, let them prophesy according to their faith. So prophecy, uh, let me go ahead and give you just an overview, and then we're going to make a declaration, and then back end all of the pieces for you to have an understanding. Okay, Prophecy is an articulation of the heart the will, the works, the history, and the future intentions of God. That's, a, that's an overview. It's a speaking for God, not in the sense of thus saith the Lord, like an Old Testament prophet would be, 
But to prophesy, because see, the Old Testament prophets, which we'll also get to in a moment, theirs were declarations, generally proclamations of judgment. But those that prophesy, the Bible says, do so for the edification and the building up of the church. And so to prophesy means that there is a supernatural enablement to articulate the person of God, the will of God, the works of God, the glory of God for the building up of other believers. So now you can understand why that is attached to, to my faith. If I have little faith, my prophesying will be of little value. And I don't mean faith just like faith being great, getting what you want from God, but a deep-rooted faith is what I mean. A faith based on knowledge, a faith uh, that comes from experience, uh, a seasoned, if you will, faith. Uh, it's kind of like going to see the doctor and, you know, you're going in and they say, you know, my uncle died with that. You need to hurry up and get to the doctor. And you get there and he's 28. And you go, uh, no offense, but is Marcus Welby here? I need some young people don't know who he is. I want somebody with some white up top that's been around, right? Okay. Well, you can be young and still be exercised in your faith. But those that prophesy, let it be according to the proportion of their faith. That's why it's important for us to be biblically literate, current, uh, humble, but understanding, growing in the knowledge of Him. You cannot prophesy outside of your experience, your, your faith, because it's attached to your faith. Now, faith, God's given to every man a measure of faith, but you can build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit through the study of Scripture, through hearing yourself proclaim who God is, what His Word says He is, and, you know, we tend to push those people to their peripheral. Oh, well, they're, you know how they are. They're just always talking about God in the Bible. Yes. And that's what prophecy, it, in a nutshell... And I don't know where all this is in my outline, so I may repeat myself, but I try to make it make sense while I'm saying it. So, prophecy is a foretelling and, and or a forthtelling of the works of God. A foretelling or a, a forthtelling is more what I do. I mean, even before we get to our outlines, it's okay, y'all. It's okay. When worship service is over, and Lauren gives me the signal to come up, or Jason. You'll notice that I don't just send anybody up here. You don't have to announce it, but what's going on in that moment is prophesying. We're going to come at the end of service, end of worship, and remind you what we've sung about. We're going to tell you of the works of God, the ways of God, the intentions of God, the faithfulness of God, the glory of God, how those that trust in the Lord are never ashamed. We're going to bring all of that to the service. And what we're doing is building you up, edifying you. Not a pep rally. It's not based on volume. It's based on content. And Jason or Charles or somebody would come up and sometimes when they, you know, by the time we worship, we've poured our heart out to the Lord and then they come right behind it with prophesying. Sometimes it's the foretelling of future, but not generally. The foretelling of future is not based in building me up.
but it's a part of prophesying. Foretelling the future which you would not naturally know. But most of the prophesying of the New Testament church and the gift of prophesying was for edification. And we'll get to those verses and I'll let you read for yourself. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're letting those come up two or three at a time and prophesy to you. And then I'll follow up with what they said. And then some that close in prayer. You know, I, I told Kelly this morning, I said, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I, I don't want to ever just call and put you on the spot. But I just felt that what would end this service today, and this is just telling you the last 5% preacher secrets. I told her, I said, I, I don't ever mean to embarrass you, but I knew you would get up and just pray a sincere, simple, genuine articulation that flowed from her devotional prayer life, and it carried a weight with it. It's like, and Lord, we know you to be, and it was, it was like a tuning fork, like a ding. It doesn't have to be lengthy to be a gift. It, it's a divine enablement. And that's, that's why you can hear one guy get up or one girl get up. Now, they may love the Lord more than the first person. They, they might have character, but it's just dry as shucked corn. Now, I'm, I'm not making light, but if you ever they get up and they open the Bible and they're spot on, line upon line, you know, and you, you're going. Because the letter killeth but the spirit giveth life and so that's why it's important not just the went of the preacher but the being sent by God of the preacher because if I don't have that divine enablement if I can't articulate truth anointed or under the inspiration of the Lord or with supernatural gifts mixed throughout many sermons I'm prophesying to you. Usually, I'll step away from my notes and then I'll just talk to you. And it'll, it'll be like, I tell Kelly this, I said, I felt like I had a hammer in my hand today where the Bible says, is not my word like as a hammer, says the Lord, that can break the rock into pieces. And I said, I, I felt like I had to be careful not to swing it because it didn't need to be swung. It was heavy enough that if it just tapped, it would break things apart in the church. That's not arrogance, that's awareness. Because I don't always have a hammer. Sometimes y'all are yawning at me and checking your watches all through it. And I'm like, let's just push the airplane back in the hangar and go home. But so that's, that's the humanity of us all. Okay. Okay. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13.2. 1 Corinthians 13.2. And I'm going to dovetail all our points to that. It just made me feel more balanced getting that out of the way. 1 Corinthians 13.2. Someone read that. Okay, so this verse, the intention of the verse is not to despise prophesying, just like not to despise the gift of tongues. He's talking about, at the end, the motivation of it. It's important that you love, but he defined part of what prophesying is. Look, if I have the gift of prophecy, comma, and I understand the scriptures, and I have the knowledge of God, so I understand the revealed word of God, the knowledge of God, and then I have faith. To believe the things that I know and have read and articulate to you so much so that with my words I can move mountains. 
prophesying has the ability to move mountains out of people's lives. Mountains of opposition, of immaturity, of error. Prophesying is more than just you telling someone your opinion. It's a God-originated, God-endorsed, and God-validation of articulation in the moment of His person, His work, His ways that builds people, it changes people, it leaves them built up, not tore down. It can correct, but it does so in a way that they are edified and strengthened. So, number one in your notes, the gift of prophecy. It said, to another he gives the gift of prophecy. Letter A, this is for you to do at home, more homework. I told you it's, a, it's the divine ability uh, for the foretelling and the forthtelling of God's work. God's will and God's word. You know the difference now. We're clear on what forthtelling and foretelling is, right? Forthtelling is declaring who he is, what his word says. Foretelling is things to come. Do you remember where the Bible says the Holy Spirit will, he will show you things to come? Someone with a phone app or something, look that up for me, um, where that's found. It said that the Holy Spirit, will, he will show you things to come. He will glorify me. He will reveal of mine and show it unto you. He will show you things to come. All right, so in your notes, you can look that up later. It's for you. But in a nutshell, that's what it is. It's the fourth telling or the foretelling. Now, prophecy in the foretelling of future events can overlap with a word of knowledge. You got it? What is it? Read that for me, Scott. Okay, who? Okay, when the Holy Spirit's come, he'll guide you into all truth because he's not going to speak of himself. So the Holy Spirit operating already shows you that out of his nature, one of the operative gifts that he shares is the omniscient knowledge of things to come. So there is a foretelling dynamic, okay? Uh, but it, in its purest form, see, I can know something that's coming and not prophesy it to somebody. I feel like I'm muddy in the water. Let me give you one example. So... Kelly and I are living happily at 210 Riverdale uh, Drive. She was the impetus behind redeeming the memory of that house for me. And we got to move in there and bring our babies home. And it went from one of the darkest memories I had to one of the most precious times. And now when I drive by that house, it's not the place where I laid on the floor and languished. It's the place where we brought our babies home and such but we were we we're living there and I'm I'm driving down the street one day and some of you understand what this is have you ever said anything before your mind thought it now don't nudge your wife but I mean you know but spiritually speaking your 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 spirit said something before your mind processed I'm in the car driving and I said we're moving never had thought about it Loved where I was at. Loved, still miss it. Loved where I was at. But I said, we're moving. 
went home and told Kelly, I said, we're moving. What? Where? What? I said, not today, but I just, my spirit knew it. It knew we were moving. And before long, we moved. And uh, what helped move was, you know, we, uh, I was 15, 18 minutes by car from my babies. And we moved over here to Bowman Creek. What's that name? Is that the right name? Brook, Brookfield, not Bowman Creek. That's why I have to ask you. Brookfield, and if I caught the green light at Chick-fil-A, I was two and a half minutes from my babies. And for several years, I would come home five, six, seven times a day. Kelly said, you've got to go to work. People are going to think you don't go to work. I said, but I got to see my babies. I got to see my babies. So we moved there. But my point was, when prophesying, there can be a knowing about things before you could naturally know that could be tied to a word of knowledge but then the sharing of that to the building up of other people the building up doesn't happen always when you share it but when it comes to pass it does happen can I share one I hope it's I, people won't know who this is but uh, there's a couple that recently come to our church and uh, you remember when I told you a couple weeks ago, and I don't take any credit for it, and be careful, be very careful of any minister that tells you, I've got a, a cancer anointing, you know, or I've got a, a foot anointing, and you've got bad feet, I pray for your feet. Be careful of those people. There's one anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But you can see patterns of his work in your life. And the most consistent, miraculous power I've seen in walking with the Lord 40 years is if someone, a couple, can't have a child if I pray for them. That just beats all I've ever seen. Here I am sterile, and I pray for people. And they have so anyway, this precious couple, we've been coming a couple of months to our church, come up to me two weeks ago, and they said, you know, the long story was I've just been so hurt and wounded, and uh, we just, we can't. I just felt the Lord, when you preached about touching the hem of his garment, I just said, Lord, I'm going to try again with you. And I, just, and I just reached out. And when you said that today, I just want you to pray for us. And I said, I will, but now let's draw the boundary here. I'm the little guy with the plastic drill, remember? We're going to build Daddy a barn. You know, I, I'll participate in this with you. And I've seen it happen. And she goes, I know all eyes are on him. We prayed a simple prayer. She came and found Kelly and I this morning and said, I went, I screamed like a kid screamed. I was like, Wah! you know, and she said, I didn't think it'd be this soon, two weeks. But when you, pr when you pray, sometimes you know. Sometimes you, you know, which is tied to a gift of faith at oftentimes. So it's not so important that you slice and dice every gift up into its own folder. They are distinct but they blend together because prophesying is so close to faith that it might cross over into the gift of faith, which the difference between faith and the gift of faith is the gift of faith has no margin for doubt. Zero. It is done, it is settled, and it cannot waver because it's the faith of God. And God doesn't waver. And I can only count on one hand how many times that's happened in my life but the times that it was the gift of faith it happened just as he said so the prophesying 
Let me get back to my notes. Prophesying. What did we cover so far? Just one? Hey, all right, we're getting there. Hey, I'm going to get there, I promise you. All right, do your homework at home. Look up those verses. Letter B, it's the divine enablement to speak forth the message of God from his word, past, will, or present. You're going to have to take notes quickly on this, okay? It can be a word of encouragement, comfort, or exhortation. 2 Corinthians 1.3. Is my notes up there? All right, they might be small, but I'll figure out my other one I could make larger. I'll keep these in red for you. Speak forth the message of God. See, God is the God of all comfort. So to prophesy for him must be a comfort to people. 2 Corinthians 4, 14, 31. For you can all prophesy. Who can prophesy? Okay. So the gift of prophecy is available to all based on a measure of faith. We're to desire to prophesy, to ask God. But those that have the gift, I should say, let me go back and say that correctly. I was doing two things at once. Please forgive me. The Holy Spirit divides to every man severally as he wills, but that's the only one where he encourages you to desire to prophesy, that you all might prophesy. Now, why is prophecy more celebrated than the other eight gifts? Someone tell me. Because it reaches the whole body. It's not greater in gift, it's greater in scope, in reach, okay? We, the, and so we all prophesy one by one in the church. Why? 2 Corinthians 14, 31. That people might what? 2 Corinthians 14, 31. Is it 1 Corinthians? Hmm? They can, that all might be comforted, they may learn and be encouraged. That's what prophesying does for the one who receives it. 2 Corinthians 1.4, let's turn there. Someone read that for me. Is it on the screen? 2 Corinthians 1 4. Okay, so see, that's part of the source that prophecy pulls from. It says that God is the God of all comfort, and when you prophesy, you are trying to teach and encourage and comfort others. And it says, God has comforted us in all of our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort whereby we've been comforted of God. So prophecy in a simple definition is words spoken of encouragement, comfort, and exhortation. Divine words at the Lord's prompting. It's not just natural sympathy. 
It's at the Lord's prompting, okay? It's a word in season. This is still under letter B. Let's look up Proverbs 15, 23. Guys, if you can put those on the screen for me, or I might be on the screen behind us. It might be small. I'll have that fixed next week. I'm sorry. I just changed over today to this newer word version. I had XP on mine, by the way. Office XP. I lost a good friend today. And I don't know what this one does. It, it's not a friend. I don't like him. I don't like her. It. All right, Proverbs 15, 23. What does it say? Are we on the screen? Someone read it for me. Those who prophesy read the moment well. Have you ever known a Christian who loved the Lord but had the knack of saying the wrong thing at the, wrong, at the right time? Or the saying the right thing in the wrong way? Okay? Those that prophesy, and they, they speak words in season. And the Bible said this is a good thing. Isaiah 50 verse 4. I know I'm having you turn a lot, but turn with me. I want you to see it in your Bible. Isaiah 50, verse 4. Is it there? The Lord hath given me the tongue of the learned. Why? That I should know how to speak a word in season to those who are weary. He awakeneth me morning by morning. He awakens my hear to hear as the learned. How can you speak to others what you have not learned from God before? You see, prophecy is hearing from the Lord, processing those things, living those things, experiencing those things, applying those things so that you might give a timely word, okay? So let's say the person is struggling with compromise. I can tenderly offer the words of God about the destructive, destructive nature of compromise, and build them up to live rightly and righteously. So it can be correction, it can be rebuke, it can be encouragement. All of it leading. But God's not done with you. Be, you're just two choices away from turning this thing around. How would I know to say something like two choices away? Because I have been in places where I was two choices away from turning the whole ship around. You see? So God gives you the voice of the learned. You did not learn it from a book. You learned by experience. And you'll say, God is... Quenches in mercy. Let, let's just pray right now. Let's turn this back over to him. God will receive you. So God will receive you. That's prophesying. You're not too far gone. You heard Jason the other day said, you know, that you, you can, it's not too late to come back home. If you turn to God, he will in no wise cast you away. That's prophesying. So reading the moment and bringing to the surface that which God has taught you. What was that? I'm sorry, I wasn't making that. I'm bad. Number three, uh, under letter B, it's a powerful word. So not just a word of encouragement and not just a word in season, but a powerful word. These words that we give, you need to note if they are, if they are, 
if they are uh, spoken in truth and in the moment, and if they are spoken uh, with anointed, uh, she okay? Do you want us to stop? I'm sorry, darling. The words that you speak uh, when you prophesy to someone can be a powerful word that turns their darkness to light. It'll turn, it can turn hopelessness to hope. It can turn the wrong direction to the right direction. It has the power to change not only the moment but the person. So understand that prophesying is not just, oh, everything's going to work out. That's not what it is. It's the clear articulation of God's will, his works, his pattern, his ways for that person. All right, letter C. Prophesying is centered around the person, testimony, and glory of Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Revelation 19.10. Someone read that for me. Okay, another inroad to what prophecy is. This angel said, don't bow and worship me. I am a worshiper, a servant of God, just as you and your brothers and sisters are. Notice that the angel knows the distinction between the created angelic host and the family of God. He knows the difference. He said, but I am a servant of the Lord, just like you. He said, and we hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. So how can I, if I'm focused on the other person, bear witness to Jesus? How can I stay central to Jesus when talking to the other person? Because we are communicating to the other person the nature and the person of Christ. We're communicating his will, his history, his words. The, the, the spirit of prophecy is the spirit of Christ. And this angel told him, he said, the spirit of prophecy who uh, it is the spirit of prophecy who bears witness to Jesus so this personal prophecy of oh you're just going to get a new car and I see a new house and I see you standing on a King James Bible and your faucets are made of gold that's not, that's not what it is it's the building up and the sharing of God and God's word with them to the point of resonation with, between them and Christ a, a truer connectivity a, a blending together, if you will. All right. So let me just say this to you. As we prophesy to an individual or to groups, if we are sharing something that is to come, the emphasis should be upon it's their Savior that wants them to know even more than the thing to come. If it's divine insight into his word we are sharing, we weave into this his sovereignty, his power, his care and grace for them, his knowledge of them. So see, 
True prophecy is intertwined with the message and the person of Christ always. That's, that's the spirit of prophecy. It's connected to the person of Christ. Letter D, it's an esteemed gift. Here's the verse I told you about earlier, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Desire spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. Some of us over the years have hid behind what we don't know so that we won't appear foolish or I don't want to make a mistake. Well, if you build people up, you just heard me a minute ago. I say something. I say, well, let me let me go back and clear that up. Let me. We're going to make mistakes, but we we can't let years roll into decades and say, well, that that's why I'm not. I don't. I don't desire to prophesy. God tells us to desire the gifts, especially that we might prophesy. Where you say, God. Make me a mouthpiece for you. It's not so much that you can have the title of prophesying. I don't think I'd ever said that in 29 years of being at the church. But that's what we do after the worship part. We prophesy to you. We, we, we want to bring out the nature of God in that moment and what he's doing in the moment and who he is and what you can believe him for. But that prayer to make me a mouthpiece for God that I might be able to articulate words of encouragement, comfort, exhortation, not self-help, not you're going to make it. That's not prophesying. A word in season and a powerful word. And it's an esteemed gift, letter D. Desire spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. Any questions, comments? Everybody, so quiet. Good? Okay. Letter E, prophecy is supposed to be a genuine common reality among believers today. If the Holy Spirit divides to every man severally as he wills, and the Word of God, which how can you take that away, how can you separate that from the Holy Spirit, is saying, but rather that you prophesy but rather that you prophesy. Uh, you all can prophesy. Uh, rather that you prophesy, desire to prophesy. Why is there so little of it in the churches? Not just public settings, but going on. This, this should go on not just in public settings, but all throughout your day in ministry to other people. Let's look at uh, Acts 2, 16 and 17. Y'all tell me when it's on the screen here. Acts chapter 2, 16 and 17. Now this is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel, that in the last days God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And Simon Peter had already said um, that this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, right? So even children are going to have the ability in this last day to prophesy, to foretell who God is to their classmates and even foretell the things of God. I, I, I think we have ignored the gift so long that there's very little expectation of it 
in our lives. And you can pray, Lord, if my heart is right and my motive is right, show me things to come. Not so I can say, oh, look, I'm a seer into the future. But that I might share that and articulate it. Show me the secrets to people's heart that I can pour the oil and wine in at the right place at the right time. It should be common if it's poured out upon children. Shouldn't it be active in the adults' lives as well? Okay. Yes, sir. So holding in balance that prophecy should be a common reality in the life of the believer and the invasive thing that we see so commonly where someone would say, well, I have the gift of prophecy or I have the very prophetic gifting in my life. And then they tell you the story about how they celebrated their 24th birthday and their total at the restaurant was $28.28 and give you all this backlog on what numbers mean and what's coming their way in the yeah. year and all of that. Holding that intention with desiring these gifts and not being gun shy expressing them, but wanting the authentic. Yes. Yes, um, this modern imitation of the prophetic gift, uh, the prophesying, especially the foretelling, has a mysticism about it that leaves you impressed with the man. The imitation leaves you impressed with the man. The genuine leaves you impressed with God. That, that's, that's the distinguishing nature that's the the identifier um, they generally focus on uh, w words of knowledge that weren't divine but supernatural see the devil lives in other dimensions that we do not and understand this you've, you've been on this earth 40 50 60 years 70 years uh, walking with the Lord maybe 20 30 years and the devil was in the courts of God before the earth was created and is exposed to dimensions and history and he has seen since the garden he knows the weaknesses of man the nuances of man the difference between men and women he knows how we operate how we tick all of those things it's very easy for him to deceive and trick you and don't think for a minute that he can't, through demonic influence, share with someone something to come because he knows it. He said, the demon said to Jesus, have you come to torment us before the time? There was no Bible telling them about the time. There was no Bible on this time the angels will be cast into hell. There was, Revelation hadn't been written. Well, they know the day's coming. And he's going to throw all of us into the lake of fire. So someone would know, you know, like uh, Michael, there's a guy, Michael, here, and your birthday is so-and-so-and-so. And, -so -and, -so. and you're married to a, a woman named Erica and so-and-so-and-so. -and, -so. and then people just start crying and doing their hands like this. No, no, no. Don't, don't be fooled by a, a charlatan's trick. He might have facts, but they weren't divinely given. Don't be impressed by that go a little deeper because some of you are like 
I know that's twin, that's right at the verge of something I'm supposed to get, but I'm not sure I, I got it yet. So when Moses went to deliver the children of Israel, he came before him. He said, What's the, how's this Pharaoh going to believe me? God says, I'll be with you. And he said, let my people go. And uh, he, so who, who, who's, who's that? Who's, who's the God that says I should let him go? He throws his stick down and it becomes a serpent. Well, the, 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 Israel, the uh, Egyptians throw their sticks down and they become snakes. Time out. Just, just freeze. Time out. Stop the train and stop the movie. I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon on the snakes, but I'm about to tell you this pastor's ponderings. When I read that, that makes me uneasy. That makes me troubled. No one talked to me about this in my Bible education, that the devil, the devil has the power to turn sticks into snakes. And you don't think he can't trick you. Do you see? Now, Moses snake ate them but that still didn't erase the fact that his sticks turned into snakes see I don't like that I don't like that you can do all of that so how do we know when you see something divine okay let me go forward into now I'm forth telling okay forth telling let me tell you what I know from scripture and what's going to happen the bible says that because the world does not love the truth God is going to send strong delusion that they might believe a lie that hold the truth in unrighteousness, which means they know the truth, but they live unrighteous in that knowledge. Before that great deception, your pastor believes that there's going to be contractions of deception that happened before. We're in that now. We don't even know how many genders there are. You understand? This is in our lifetime. And you ask a doctor on television, how many genders are there? Fifty-six. There's such a deception, such a delusion, and the devil in this last hour, it's, see, we just say, oh, it's just ridiculous, they're all crazy. No, no, it's systematic. It's a psyop being done on the world through the prince and power of the air to where if I can get rid of truth, if there's no baseline, then I can't argue from it to show you error if it's Everybody gets a participation trophy. There's no right, there's no wrong, there's no winner, there's no loser. Then there's no absolute truth. So your truth is just as important as the truth. Your pastor believes in this last hour. I've seen it in spurts on videos from overseas and some in the United States. But there are ministers operating under satanic anointings and they use the name Jesus but it's not the Christ. And let's just say this guy has a, a strong power about him. It's an anointing, but it's not a, a divine anointing. It's a supernatural anointing, but it's not heavenly. And um, the emphasis is on him. Something's off, and you just know it's off. Uh, and he mentions the name Jesus, but it's not the biblical Jesus. There's not a, a worshipful tone to his heart about it. And when he speaks of God, and when he calls what he's doing is prophesying, it still leaves you with that taste. But he can heal. And he'll say things like, you know, 
just you need to be more your, your gospel needs to evolve you need to evolve as a christian we're all aren't we all evolving yes and you know uh the the arab's god that's the same as our god and that's it's all you know god is called by many different names but those people heard that he's visiting i'm making up something hypothetical now he's coming to macon and every little baby that has cancer that he lays his hand on is healed it just follows his ministry almost almost everyone he lays his hand on and there'll be a christian mom at home with a baby or you know that just like with my buddy zach we're believing god to heal his eyes or let's say this guy opens the eyes of the blind but he's not a christ follower he's a false christ preacher then the christians are going to have to choose am i going to go put my head under his hands to receive sight you see there's there's those tests those those that's where the discerning of spirits comes in and all those gifts that operate and i, I might have muddied the water somewhat there but prophesying can say these things are coming you better know which side you're on so john would you take your baby to be prayed for no if my god can't heal my child I don't want the wrinkled hand of that Leviathan putting his hands on her. I, I, you might can heal cancer, but I don't want your healing because whatever else comes with that would be on my child. Mark it down that I'm telling you it's coming. Supernatural manifestations that the average church can't duplicate and the people are going to flock to them. Because they love carnal things, the now, the touch, taste, smell, feel, mind, bits of power that don't come with a, with a lordship dynamic and a, a sense of timing dynamic. And I don't want nothing before the time. Did that muddy or did it, there, there's prophesying like that. You think things are to come. Your pastor, based on not just common knowledge, but when I sit and meditate I believe we are headed for an absolute economic meltdown not just in the West but the world you, you, now it's common but years ago I was hearing about the Great Reset and, and such but we've, we've already had resets of what is sane what is insane what is good and what is evil it's reset it's reset it's reset and when the economy crashes and I'm not being pessimistic, I'm telling you. It's like if, if you burn dinner and somebody walks in, you know, the husband said he's going to cook tonight and he's burnt, everything's burning. And you come home and you go, baby, I think dinner's burnt. Why are you so negative? I'm, I'm, I'm not being negative. Just It appears to me that you burnt the dinner. I can smell the smoke of all of that coming upon us. And it is coming. And we're going to be tested to our core. We don't even know persecution. You know, this morning I forgot to close. It was something I had in uh, my notes for you. But the being on set on fire by God. In Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you ever, don't pick it up unless you want to be wrecked of what it cost these people to follow God. And the chronology of their history. They used to set the human candles up in the streets. Whether they impaled them on a pole or they tied them to a pole and they would dip them in this, this type of tar and they would light them 
And what they didn't know is that, that the streets turned into singing. And God kept them alive for a while. And they sang and worshipped because they were already on fire. Before the world lit them. Satan's fire always destroys you. God's fire gives you life. You see? But there's going to be great cost to our faith. If Jesus tarries, if Jesus tarries uh, in the third world country, they, you, you profess Christ and um, they'll, hold, they'll hold the new believers down, our missionaries, and they'll pour battery acid all over them. They'll kill their children in front of them. And so for us to, to have the gifts, if someone comes in and says, do you remember in the New Testament when, when Agabus tied himself up and told Paul, prison awaits you. And he was foretelling what was happening in all the cities that you go into, prison awaits you. He wasn't trying to be just negative. He was letting him know to prepare his heart, but the Lord was going to be strong with him and he wasn't going to go home a day early. And he was going to be able to, he didn't know this till later, but write prison epistles, you know. So to know something coming, whether good or bad, does not have the effect on us. It's not just, I just don't want to know. I just want to, I want to know everything he wants me to know so I can be prepared for such. But what Jason was referring to, we got to have a discerning of spirits and we run everything through double filters. Double, don't, don't be slow, don't be quick to believe just anything. If they say Jesus and they got a book and he seems nice, no, no, stop. I'd rather be slow to receive from the hand of God because I was being wary uh, with all that's out there. Because God knows my heart. I'm not hesitant to receive of him. I just don't want foolishness. And I don't want what's connected to them. Because, you know, Pharaoh's magicians, what was their future? He can turn sticks into snakes. You got bigger problems than snakes because God's your enemy. You got bigger problems than sticks and snakes. All right, what number we on? F, this gift prophecy is exercised by men and women. So I'm just going to touch on this. I don't want to open up a big can of worms. But, you know, this uh, women keep silent in the church. Don't, don't say nothing if you take it in context. So Philip, spirit-filled Philip, had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Uh, who did they prophesy to? And he said, now watch, watch. You got to take context is the key to scripture. So there was something Paul was addressing that was out of order, more than likely the communication across the aisle because men sat on one side and women on the other. And it said, let them learn from their husband at home. Let them. So that would tell you what was going on. But here, the Holy Spirit's going to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. And who does he say is going to prophesy? Sons and daughters, male and female. So the Holy Spirit going to pour something out on a woman's head, but now you can't use it. You see, you got, you got to use common sense too. We know, now, you may not like me for saying this, but I'm going to tell you the truth. And, you know, just don't like me. I don't know how else to tell you. There is no scriptural precedent for a woman pastor. But there's no limit on anything else that she does. Why would he pour his spirit out on them and say they're going to prophesy if they don't get to prophesy. And where does Corinthians say they prophesy? In the church. And we judge. And we, they share the, the word of God. And they're not to be an authority over a man. 
not because they're less than. Because many women are under the authority of a man, and they're smarter than he is. I'm sorry if that offends you, it's just the truth. So see, authority was not based on merit. It's God saying, I'm, I'm setting up in the home a visual dynamic of Christ and the church. So the home is to reflect Christ. That's why I'm the head of our home, not because I'm better. Kelly's the one with the degree better than me, not, not vice versa. But I'm the accountable one. And so for us, um, we need to understand that uh, it, this gift is for men and women. It's not just men. Well, pastor, you said that about pastors. Why can't a woman be a pastor? Because the scripture doesn't say they can. It said, let them be the husband of one wife. There's no biblical example of the woman being the authority of the church. Are there men who are pastored? Are there men who pastor and a woman has more ability? Yes, she just doesn't have the gift and calling of a pastor. But they're deaconesses, they're prophetesses. Is that say that right? Prophetesses. <laughs> Women who are prophets, they are those that prophesy, those that evangelize. Uh, you know. The evangelists of the New Testament, the greatest evangelists of the New Testament were women. Just read your Bible. They running around. He told me all things that I ever did. She had half the church filled up the next week. Tell him. Tell him who he is. She's working the system. So don't, don't make it a women's right cause. But at the same time, well, no, that's the man's role. No, 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 no. You know him. Who you think is going to minister to the woman that doesn't trust men? I, I don't have any problem with a woman telling me about what she knows about God. She's not an authority over me any more than I'm an authority in Michael's home. I'm not a, authority's not the issue here. But I had people that'll ask me about the women pastors, and I don't know their heart, and I don't sit in judgment of them. What I'm going to tell you is there's no biblical example of a woman being a pastor of a local church, but there's no hindrance of them doing anything else. So... If you can find different in the scripture, you let me know and I'll change it. I'll stand up and say, I was wrong. But uh, I don't have any joy saying that. It's just the way God, you know, I'm, that's the way he set it up. All right. Letter G. This gift is to be examined and judged by those in the local assembly. It said in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let two or three prophesy and let the others evaluate and judge what was said. Now, that doesn't have to be done in a formal, dogmatic version, but it just means that if somebody gets up in a sanctuary and speaks for God, then we who sit around, we're going to, like somebody says, Pastor, I believe I have a word, and they share it. Well, we're going to judge it based on the scripture, based on what the Lord's doing in that moment, and to receive that, because the Lord's not neurotic. He's not going to jump around, you know, and we all just... We all have a witness in our heart if something bears witness to the truth. But it can be, a, if there's no objection, that's the same thing as bearing witness. Okay? And your pastor would be quick to jump up and say, that's not true. That's not right. Okay, letter H. The basic ministry of the New Testament prophet and those who prophesy is to instruct and encourage those in the local congregation. 1 Corinthians 14, 31, for you can all prophesy, those of you that gift, one by one, so that everyone may learn and be comforted and encouraged. 
I found this interesting as we get ready to wrap this up. Of showing you some similarities and differences between an Old Testament prophet and the New Testament prophet. Or those who prophesy. Totally different offices. Similarity. Both spoke the word of God to the people. They both warned of judgment and both spoke on current issues and both could predict future events. However, the Old Testament prophet was different in a number of senses. To begin with, the Old Testament prophet usually delivered their message to the nation Israel, while the New Testament prophet gives a universal message or messages to individuals as well. The Old Testament prophet often had the characteristics of a leader in the nation of Israel. The New Testament prophets had no such position. As a matter of fact, for a prophet to prophesy in Israel, he was, when a Samuel come to visit your house, that was something big. He prophesied to the nation of Israel. But your sons and daughters can prophesy. You see, so it's not a title or an office. It's an ability of the believer to articulate those things about God and the words of God. Uh, while the Old Testament prophet usually give, gives messages that deal with an entire nation, the New Testament prophet delivered personal messages to individuals or in a corporate setting. Okay, finally, before we wrap this up, letter J. In summary, prophecy is the divine ability to build up believers with your words. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men. There it is. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men. To edification, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. What does it say? To edification, to exhortation, and comfort. What's the three primary things that prophecy should look like? Edification, which is a construction term. Edifice, to build up. And if you want, got somebody working on your house, you want them using good material, right? And craftsmanship. Edifice, edification. Edification doesn't mean makes you feel better. It means construction, to build you up. Exhortation and comfort. In other words, they build up the Christian's character, they speak moral precepts and warnings, and they give encouragement arising from personal testimony, example, and sympathy. He who speaks in, an, uh, uh, who prophesies, edifies the church. And compare that to while he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. That's why it says that one is greater than the other. I, like Paul, I can say I speak with tongues more than you all, but when I come together, it's more important that when worship service is over and mixed in with my sermon, that I prophesy to you under an anointing, a gift, an ability, not just my own accumulation of facts, but an articulation. I, I see a, a brother of mine, and we go way back when, he's old, a lot older than me, but... Uh, not really, but at High Point, you know, how many of you knew Brother Don? Good, good, good friend to our family. He operated in the prophetic, and it was a, a beautiful thing, and I did not understand this dynamic until I got older. The thing that bore witness to it is because he never acted like it was a big deal. It was never brought to the forefront. It was just as natural as you're talking to me. He stayed in the background and it would he would just if it, the lord gave him something about the future he'd just tell you he said now you just go on home and you just you talk that over with jesus and see if that rings true for you it was just a 
there was a delivery and a way about him. And he was uh, one of the vanguards in our city that introduced the genuine uh, move of the Spirit in our, in our region because there was a time where if you were part of a Pentecostal church, you were despised and hated and arms folded. And he, he just stayed the course, man. He was, I, I miss him. I just, seeing you made me think about him. Um, and I remember as a young boy, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I just thought about it. Uh, right after my dad died, I really struggled. <laughs> two things in my life, and that was one of them. I just, I just really struggled. And uh, right before I turned my heart away from the Lord, he took me. You remember his little house he had to the side where all the boys stayed? The house was that. And he had a little rack of books. It was a little round rack. And he took me over here. And I'm looking back, I realize now what he was doing. He was, he was affirming a call that I didn't know I had. He said, which one of these? Look, look at these. I want you to just get some. What, what appeals to you? And I picked a Bible study out. So as a young boy, 11, you'd think you want something, comic book, chick tracks, you know, or something. I picked a Bible study out with fill in the blanks and stuff. And he said, it don't surprise me you picked that up. You know God's got his hand on your life. Come back to me. Show me your answers. Let's go over them. What was he doing? He was building me up so that there would be a familiarity in my base to when the calling came. I would have words of life from way back there. You see? So my goal in doing this series is to demystify and clarify. It is supernatural, but it's not mystical. It's taking what you know according to the measure of faith in your heart and at the prompting of the Lord, seeing the opportunity, moved with compassion. You'll see that Jesus moved with compassion, comma, blank he did something and speak in and whether it's a hammer or a pruning shear or oil and wine with your words you apply to that person what they need and you build them up they're so powerful prophesying and we're, you know we got to get out of our mind that that just means future telling you have the tools, the power, and the anointing 